Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. ¿Qué pasa, cracks? ¿Qué pasa, campeones? Welcome to the Churros y Tacticas podcast. It's Monday. It's the 6th of March. We are here, Kian and myself to discuss Match Day 24 and everything that took place over the weekend involving the two biggest side in world football. Dare I say, why not? I just said it. It's also wax. It's on record now. So it must be true, especially if it's coming from this mouth. For those listening, I'm pointing to my own. Barca win, take a narrow, nail-biting victory against Valencia. Yes, indeed, they do to go Nine points clear. Let me be accurate and say we went 10 points clear. But luckily for Hermaji, you guys managed to scrape point back. So it's, it's not it's not 10 points clear. It's nine points clear. It's fine. Ay, Liga. Ay, de todo. You guys are still in with a chance. Let me not get too big-chested and refrain myself from uh, waving the victorious flag. Having said that, nine points After 24 match days, what is that? Another 14 to go, Kian? Is that right? 14? We play 38 in total? Yeah. And, um... No, it can't be. looking good for There's not that much football left, is there? I want to say that. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. In any case, needless to say, it. Um, well, we do have a lot to go through because nothing is guaranteed. I am not, of course, here waving the title flag just yet. The game was not what we wanted to see. I'm very curious to hear about Real Madrid, or as you say, Real Betis and Real Madrid. Uh, what took over? What took place in Avinito Villa Marin? And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Kian, I just opened my laptop as I got home. And uh, all of the headlines read, Neymar out for the season. Neymar Jr. crashes out at, during crunch time of the season once again. What a career or end of the career this fantastic, once fantastic football player is having. Uh, ever since, I would say, he moved from Barca. What was that? 2017, I think, around? To make his move to Qatar Saint-Germain. Some will call it fate. Others will say what goes around comes around, but sad end to his career. Not to say that he's done, but man, a massive blow. That sounded very um, evil, like the way you said it. Like it's just like, oh, like you're you're just happy. This is karma. Like I'm so glad that he just this not happened. Not happy. Him. Well, not happy, not happy, but he should have never left, and he should have anyway. Fuck it look, shit. it's. I mean, Neymar. let's not pretend he wasn't so much that comes with PSG. He was pretty damn. I mean, like that year where he took them to the final, essentially, where he destroyed peak Neymar is at Barca. It's it's not, same for Ronaldo. I'm not saying, Come on. no, Come no, on. I'm not saying you're not wrong, but let's. I think, I think his peak can ex- be extended to the first couple years at PSG, too, where he was amazing. Like, remember that year that when PSG got to the Champions League final, he was unbelievable in the knockout rounds in, in the build up to that, yes. 
Let's not pretend he yeah. was just a complete ex-footballer at PSG. He was amazing. Um, and also coming back off an amazing World Cup, by the way, where he where he was incredible. But you and I predicted this. We had an entire podcast yep. about Neymar is we not did. going to age well because he just is complete. Mm. The way he plays football, he will break down eventually because people just kick him and kick him and kick him and kick him. And he's not... Yeah, it's... it's w- Go on, go on. Sorry, sorry. And he's not that thought. physically imposing either, like, you know, to, to be able to deal with all that stuff. And I let's be honest, I don't think he takes care of his body that well. I don't think that's a hot take or judgmental. I think that's correct. That's I the, mean, did you see that thing yeah. where the other day when uh, I believe it may have been after PSG lost to Bayern Munich in the first leg? And apparently mm-hmm. Mbappe does this huge team talk and takes the team aside. Like it's like, guys, see that. no more junk food, no more this. And then that night, Neymar's Instagram stories at McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. But he tops that up by going out to play in a poker tournament after his McDonald's sesh. So he's binging on Mickey D's. Then he's out in the early until the early mornings playing this poker tournament. And that's Neymar for you, you know, and that's Quite frankly, maybe that's us too. If we were they, footballers, they maybe. Yeah, but listen, Diego, to this. do you think uh, do you I, think you uh, would age like during Neymar a time if you were a footballer, or do you think you would age like? Oh my god, Modric. I could go either way. I don't know. Yeah, it could go either way, and I think there's a, there, there's a time and place where temptations you cave into, you know temptations and cravings and especially at a young age with infinite amounts of money and with all the temptations in the world flocking you're throwing themselves at your feet uh yes i also think he was misguided sure i don't think his father his was dad. the best agent mm. nor influence yeah. Yeah. and i think it no. really matters how you how you were brought up and who's around you at all times? Who's surrounding you? What kind of messages around are you, you getting every day? Look, you compare Neymar to, to a Messi, for example, and here's a, a Messi that is very protect, very much protected, you know, very much from the Messi clan. Even his wife is his longtime girlfriend from Rosario. So, but, you know, I guess the values that were surrounding Messi was family, you know, family sort of first and, and uh, stick within a closely knit group and take care of yourself, take your job and your role and your day-to-day serious and, and yeah, don't cave into temptations, give into temptations and really um, try to be the best you can be, I think, is, is was probably the message that, that he would have grown up in. Whereas Neymar, as you rightly put, and unfortunately, this is the, I was trying to shoehorn this in. When you look at the Brazilians the, the, you know, that have passed through football throughout history, I feel like it's unfortunately for them quite often the case where um, they, they, they don't maybe have that kind of stability or those values, they're not exposed to those values, or they're not instilled upon them. Uh, and we see them. We see a lot of these football players cave into temptations from the best. I'm talking, you know, your Ronaldos, your Dinos, even Romario. I mean, you're um, listing a bunch of Brazilian players. Do you think it's a cultural thing? I I do, I do. I, that's the point I'm trying to make, and I, I think you know. 
And it's unfortunate. Adriano, man, what, he was the successor of Ronaldo. Look at him still to this day. I mean, what Brazilian, even legend, so past or present, can you put forward and say, this guy, you know, peaked. And I don't want to say live an ex lived an exemplary or had an exemplary career, living a life full of value, values and virtues. Uh, but I, let, let's just look at it purely from a sporting perspective. Maintained his consistency and his max like uh, Messi and a Cristiano did throughout their career for as long or, or around that time. You know, I, I feel like Brazilian stars are flares. They are spectacular. And then they fizzle out far too soon. Um, is that is that a unpopular I, take? How would you? No, you know, I, no. I struggle. I struggle to think of. <clears throat> I think you're correct, um, and I don't like it. Part of me feels weird to say that because I don't want to, like you know, uh, yeah, fall into the stereotypical hole and get myself into trouble. And because I correct. know that there correct. are there are plenty of examples of successful Brazilian footballers who do take it more seriously and do age much better. Like for example, like a Casemiro or a Thiago Silva, for example. Um, but I, but this is it is a, even a, a Rivaldo maybe you had more of a family surrounding anyway go on go on sure. or I mean uh, I, I mean um, Roberto Carlos has spoken about this. Roberto Carlos no uh -huh. but 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 actually Roberto Carlos himself has it what like I mean he's probably one of the better ones but I don't think he aged that well right no. um like he was also he was known to smoke. Drink. Smoke and and drink and drink and and physically, I mean, physically he was a specimen, right? I mean, he is one of the the poster Doubt. boys of like this guy is an absolute freak. But I think he could have aged better yeah. if he took care of himself. He actually spoke about this, like when when Vanderlei Luxemburgo took over Real Madrid. The first thing he did, mm -hmm. he said, he training sessions at, at Valdebebas were at ten thirty. He moved it to seven a.m. and he also banned wine and beer and mm. fast food. And th at the time, Ronaldo Nazario and Roberto Carlos were there. And Roberto Carlos actually took him aside and was like, hey, man, uh, we actually don't do You're that here. last long. Yeah. No, he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, he straight up told him, like, uh, we're, we're probably not going to abide by that. And you just should not do that here. Um, and Ronaldo Nazario told him, actually, bro, we actually do. Um, we, we have wine and beer usually one or two a day after the practice. So it you don't even try. And he also said, like, we also like to sleep in. Like, these are re this is a real story from someone who was there fully admitting, like, right. this is how we were. Like, you know what I mean? It's funny because, like, we yeah, always talk yeah, about, yeah, like, yeah. when the Galacticos failed, like, we talk about, oh, the squad was didn't have balance and structure, which all that was true. But we also talk about, like, these guys just... I don't know if these guys would get away with this stuff today. You know what I mean? Uh, We're not professional. Yeah. 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 So anyways, my point was that Roberto Carlos also said in that same interview that like, you know, this is part of our culture in Brazil. We, we have fun. We don't take life seriously. We laugh, we party. And um, this is pretty much how we are in every profession we have. So I, I you know, when someone like him says it, I will. Romario said the same thing. Mm. Mm. 
Romario yeah. said very similar. He, you know, he said, I mean, there, I have to go out. Otherwise I don't play well. Um, and there are some managers that deal with that better than others. And some managers I think that are maybe able to squeeze as much out of the orange for a very concentrated period or for a very short amount of time and, and, and the best way by maybe, you know, understanding that it's needed, that these players are peaking, you know, and they're in their mid, early mid or late twenties, they're in their twenties and they're phenomenal footballing talents. And they're in that phase where they're just on fire and you just let the mad, you know, the mad magician, the mad scientist go to work and do their magic. Uh, and then that, that, star that is so spectacular to look at just fizzles out uh but you know what the thing is like when romario says i have to go out in the, in order for me to play well he's delusional to be mm. honest like no one he does not actually have a circle of friends who was actually telling him hey man you're out of your mind you're wrong right. this is dumb this is just an excuse yes. to go out there is no scientific yes. explanation for you playing better by partying like it's one thing <laughs> it's one like people they need to be surrounded by so good they need to be stopped being surrounded by yes men and just be surrounded by people who are actually yeah. like coaches and physical, um, yeah, physical experts, fitness experts. Well, and and then exactly, Kim, go on, go on. It's one thing to go out and not sleep, fine, but there's like so much science about like when you start consuming alcohol and drugs, it's just you're basically accelerating the aging process. It's terrible for you. It's so bad for you, and that's like scientifically proven. It's also like it's not a, when Romario says that, I think he thinks it's a flex. Like, I think I've seen a lot of people, even amateurs who take great pride in like just being, taking care of themselves in an absolute shit way. And then showing up and dominating a game and being proud of that. Like, look how good I am. I don't even have to take it seriously. Yeah. And I'm so good. It's a flex. Yeah. It's a source of yeah. pride for these guys. But like, I don't know if you mm. saw it, but Mikael John Obi, who was obviously, uh, Hazard's former teammate recently said that Hazard was the laziest player he's ever come across and he would come to training and dominate. And like, that's not a flex. That's not something to be proud of because now Hazard is just an ex-footballer. If he wasn't lazy and he didn't, if he actually took care of himself in the summer, he would still be playing at an elite, elite level. And that's, I think yeah. part of the problem is that these guys don't realize how much long-term damage they do by doing this. They just accelerate. Like Ronaldinho should have been doing great things at age 35. The, we were robbed. For sure. of, uh, Ronaldinho's peak was just a few years. That's it. He was one of the greatest yeah. players of all yeah. time in those few years. And it's a shame that we didn't get more of that. He just stopped getting to the point where Pep was like, hey, man, you got to go because I got this messy kid coming up and I don't want him to learn anything from you. <laughs> you got to go. That's a shame. That's a shame that we didn't see yeah. Messi and Ronald Ronaldinho together for a few years. For longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What could have been, um, but yeah, no, so many things I wanted to jump in and say. First of all, I love that Hazard statement. Who who, me who mentioned that? Who said that? Uh, John uh, Obi Michael, his uh, Chelsea ex teammate. Okay, okay. I wonder. I mean, I wonder if he was uh, watching Madrid. I mean, that's coming from a team that saw Casano, you know, be hailed as uh, <laughs> the next massive superstar. <laughs> Antonio Casano, also prostitutes and and donuts, oh. <laughs> pastries all every night. Nutella. But uh, 
but with the Romario thing uh, and, and, and the whole like flex thing, it's so true. So first of all, with Romario, I want to say that he didn't drink alcohol, actually. Okay. Uh, he was notorious for, you know, going out, dancing, partying women and showing up late to practices, but he didn't drink a drop of alcohol. Uh, uh, that said, you know, obviously everything takes a toll at some point and, and, and his seri- level of seriousness or dedication faded very, very quickly. I mean, too quick also in his case. With the flex thing, I think you're spot on with that. And especially from athletes in their prime, in that age, we had a very similar thing, actually. Um, when I say we, I'm referring to the high school rugby team that I used to play for. I played rugby for four years. And in the first uh, two years, we were absolute shit garbage, just getting our you know, heads kicked in consistently game after game and it wasn't until we got this south african kid i should really say man child join uh, our school and obviously our rugby team and it was literally you know give the ball to keith it was similar to the early chicago bulls strategy give the ball to michael and just get the fuck out of the way it was like that it would give the ball to keith pass it to him and just get out of his way because he fucking bulldozed all of our opponents and we eventually became European champion with, with our high school. And, and that was our strategy. Now, why do I bring this up? Is because that's, <laughs> we sort of had this team philosophy or team motto that playing hungover, we actually played better than if we were sober. So we started to get really fucked up the nights before big away games going into, you know, other cities, traveling throughout Europe, went to Belgium, uh, went to France, went to England. And um, it, we the only reason why we won those games was because Keith was there. The next year, he wasn't there. And we went back to sucking absolute garbage. So, um, <laughs> But it, it, did, it did became this sort of motto like, yeah, let's be hungover, play better that way. See, because we won it with Keith. Mom. Yeah, but this oh, yeah. is this is I mean obviously refutable because I hear what you're saying. Like I had many teammates growing up, they had to show up to the game completely high. They had to smoke a few J's before they show up. Huh? And uh-huh. because that they said they would play better, they were more focused and locked in. But that's also because mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. that's the state that you now put yourself in as, associate. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's like you, it's it's very similar to caffeine. Caffeine is obviously a lighter drug, but if you have to have coffee to do work because you work better that way, that's because you've your body is used to doing that now. Whereas someone yeah. who never drinks coffee is not dependent on that, you know. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 this is like this is not. No, I, I in our case, it's an absolute joke. I'm not trying to justify. I'm not trying to say <laughs> no, that there's substance here. Like it, it was clearly, uh, you know. I will say, despite I, I, my, I really enjoy the movie um, Drunken Master. What is that one where Jackie Chan has to be loaded for him to fight? Is it Jackie Chan? Yeah, I believe it is. I believe it is. I haven't seen it though, but the title. I mean, it, it, it's a martial art. It's an actual art, like a martial art form. Uh, the drunken kung fu, where you know it, it's it's a very drunken style, but uh, they kick your ass. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know how long we've been going, but we haven't talked about 
match day 24 at all. I have a good transition. Uh, you uh, mentioned that you're not ready to say that the league is over and you don't want to, you know, make your chest too big yet. Jinx. Uh, as a Real Madrid fan, I would not only like to declare that it's over. In my opinion, I think Real Madrid should actively lose the league at this point. Like, just really, really try to completely be out of it, even if we're not already. It's like, instead of saying we should fight till the end, Sabayo said this last night. Rodrigo said this. Ancelotti says we're going to fight till the end. In my opinion, you should come out and say we're going to actually forfeit till the end. Like forfeit now. Like just like we're out. We're out of this. We're out of this thing. The more we believe that we're in this, the more we're going to try to play all of our best players in these games and drain their energy for the Copa and the Champions League. Just play Hazard and Mariano in these last La Liga games, just actively tank. I don't want any, I don't want even a trace of hope for us to actually think that this is a possibility. We're out. We're out. Actively throw the league now. Focus on the Champions League and Copa. The sooner we realize this, the better it is for for the entire Maridista fan base. That's it. That's that's my take. Congratulations, Barcelona. You're champions. Jeez. This is no fun. It is fun because it's not actually like, for example, um, Sam was Sam Leverage was writing about how Atletico over on Into the Calderon, how Atletico have started to play better now that they've only had to play once a week. They're out of Europe. They're out of Copa. Now they have one week rest in between games. They're playing well, scoring six goals on the weekend. Imagine if we could just pretend the La Liga game is just a, a friendly game where we throw on Hazard and Mariano and whoever else, give all these bench guys minutes and rest Modric and Vinicius and Benzema just for Champions League and Copa del Rey. Doesn't that make more sense? Well, what if you start... You know, Atletico, you, who you said are well, they're back in third, by the way. That's a pretty, yeah, phenomenal feat, I would say, for Cholo that was uh, in a very hot water not long ago and playing against the Real Sociedad side, the Betty side, and Villarreal. Not to say Rayo Vallecanos had plenty of surprises and playing good football this season. Worked his way to third. I think, I seem to remember that both you and I said that the top three would be Atletico. Uh, Madrid and Barca in in, in the top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're coming good with that prediction. But what if they start gaining ground? I mean, they're only uh, eight points away from you. Real Sociedad nine points, the same as us. But then you know in what? Fourth, if you're if you're bench, you 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 can't you can't be serious in this request. I'm hundred percent serious. If if your bench loses eight point lead over Atletico, maybe you deserve to come third anyway. Maybe maybe that's just what you get for being that bad. Our best case scenario is Hazard does some things and raises his value, and some some poor team is completely tricked into to to bringing him this summer. That's our best case scenario. Our worst case is they're all so bad that an Atletico are so good you somehow lose an eight point advantage. In which case, maybe you deserve to be third. Eight points is a decent amount of points, Diego. Come on. Eight points is a lot. Like, you have to be really bad to lose eight-point lead. 
I don't think that our B team is that bad to lose eight points. Uh, if if they approach each game with the mindset that you just expressed, that you just laid out, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to lose. But you would assume if, that these guys who aren't out, playing are coming out hungry because they don't get any other playing time. But so why would they be the hungry? They, they're already, they, they know that they're being like tossed to the hungry, Lions. Hungry for be, selfish right. reasons because they want to prove that they're still useful footballers. Plus, mm. you throw some kids in there too. It's not just like the washed up stars. It's like, you know, throw some kids in okay. there. Well, knowing that that is not going to happen, uh, but uh, what happened in the Benito Villamarie? Was it... Uh, look, I, I saw the match. I thought it was an entertaining match. Um, surprised that it stayed at nil-nil, to be honest. Had a bit of everything, and it had both sides creating chances and both keepers making big stops. I thought the draw was the fair result. Uh... I don't know the reaction of Madridistas. I don't know how disheartening this draw, nil-nil draw, it's bad, has man. been for Madridistas. It's not a happy so things fan are bad. <laughs> it's not a happy fan base. You know, like I was actually okay. talking to my wife earlier today, and I said, uh-huh. "Uh huh, you know, people people are just so angry or happy based on." what a football team does. And like, <laughs> yeah. because like people are just angry. Last night people were angry. They're always angry. And we, and we, I feel like we're like the, the, the guys that I get yelled at because we're the guys of the podcast, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like our fault. And then right. I feel like if other, yeah. t- like if people disagree with us, you know, like when we're winning, they don't get angry, you know? But if they disagree with us when we're losing, it's like they we like it's just really like I'm I don't get affected by it, but I'm I'm I was telling her like you know what is going on with these people that something that is completely out of their control, their life just goes into a spiral. If if what's what's happening here it you know i used to be like that i'm not like that anymore i don't like if like ram to lose for 10 for 10 minutes I'm like fuck and i start getting angry after 10 minutes i'm like i don't i forget about it completely you know but i i didn't used to be like that i used to really like for weeks i would be depressed if ram were knocked out of something or they lost the class but i just don't i don't feel that way anymore so it's kind of weird that like now i'm in a position where it's my job and i'm working and if if Ramjit are bad, all of a sudden it's just everybody's angry, and that's my my job is having to deal with that anger, absorb it, and not react to it in like by losing my shit, you know. And so everyone was angry. Your Papa Kian, Papa so- Papa Sobani, trying to. Oh, I think apparently it's my fault that, some uh, that we sense. didn't sign <laughs> didn't sign reinforcements. I think apparently. Anyways, uh, well, what I mean, went that's wrong? A fact. That's a yeah, fact. That's a fact. That's indisputable. That what went wrong uh, against Betis was similar stuff that's been going wrong against Atletico and Barca in the last two games. But ultimately, I think what really went wrong the difference was like against Barca we didn't have any chances. Against Betis we actually had good chances, but we just shot everything into the sky. Rodrigo had a great chance. 
Benzema had a great chance. Vinicius had a great chance. Uh, Ceballos had a great chance. And our shooting boots were not on. Um, But it is weird that we followed up scoring five goals at Anfield with three games of only one goal. And that one goal was Alvaro's header against Atletico at the end. Make sense of this for me, Diego. We beat Liverpool 5-2. I know. You're gonna Manchester United beat you guys. And then Liverpool beat Manchester United <laughs> 7-0. Like, who's like, what happens in a round robin between these four teams? What is the dynamic? We all just end up tied? <laughs> we all have not... kryptonites? I didn't see that game, by the way. I still need me to neither. watch. I was shocked when there. I saw the scoreline. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was a mistake or unbelievable. <laughs> I saw highlights. That's it. But it makes no sense. It's crazy. How does that happen? Makes no sense. Makes so no sense. So we can't beat Barca. Barca can't beat United. Liverpool can't beat us. It's just this rock, paper, scissors contest. I think it's tough, man, because quite frankly, you know, uh, it's it as in it's tough for Madridistas. I understand if I put myself in a Madridista shoe, and I'm looking the at the Barca games. I look at a game like the one now on, on Sunday against Valencia and the Spotify. Come no, another one nil victory. It's the eighth one nil so far, or the game where Barca scored by one goal to nil. Yeah. It wasn't a pretty game for sure. Uh, it's not one of those games where we're going to be talking about the style, the great football. It was a, a tough, nasty, you know, grinded out game again. And, and, and if I talk about the res- the draw being a, a fair result in the Benito Villa Marin, a draw would have been a fair result last night in the Spotify come now too. Mm. And that's not just talking about the Kessier pe- pe- penalty or not call, mm. uh, the penalty non-call. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, what was it, the deep 80th minute, late in the 80-something minute where Kessier commits a foul inside of the box. Yeah. Was it on Hugo Duro? No, I, don't, I forget on who it was. But, I don't remember. Um, eh? I don't remember. You don't remember. In any case, you know, there were there were other moments. And of course, yes, we had to play the last 35 minutes with 10 men down. And that allowed Valencia to push us in, in our 18-yard box and create chances. But also before that, leading up to that, uh, there were moments. Which, by the way, uh, I should have texted you. I wanted to text you or tweet at you. You had your Kunde moment. It was Kunde. But I don't care. Bad, I, don't, I want the Kunde moment Kunde against us. His... <laughs> I don't want it against Valencia. I want it against us. It was Kunde with a terrible back pass that put Araujo in a very compromising position where he had to sacrifice himself for the team and force a red card, meaning that he won't be in the game against Athletic Club, which is played in a Catedral. My point being as well, like I mean, for a Madridista, this could turn out to be a juice situation if you guys manage to pick up points in three because these next two games against Athletic Club, they're eighth. We know how difficult it is to beat them at their own ground. In particular, Basque team, always gritty, uh, 
fans 100% in it. It's one of those big stadiums in Spain. So not a guaranteed, uh, you know, stadium where you take away points, let alone one. We've lost there in, in, in recent years. Uh, I mean, I'm, right now, the one that comes to mind is that ridiculous uh, uh, Chilena by, uh, what's his name? The retired forward. Uh, uh, Aduriz. Aduriz, thank you. And uh, and after that is the Clásico again. So we could, in theory, drop six points. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't be crazy to have two back-to-back losses. No, just, no, I'm not there with you yet. But I did want to. I no. did want to explore what the Barca Valencia game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, just thoughts on the game first before maybe some bigger picture stuff. But there was that the the Ferran Torres penalty miss. So yeah. I watched a lot of because um, a lot of people were like maybe Ansu Fati should have taken it, etc. And I think Ansu wasn't necessarily happy about not taking it. I watched a lot of Milan last season because I was watching Brahim play. And Kessier is a good penalty shooter. I think it should have been Kessier who took the penalty. Yeah. Lo- mm-hmm. A lot of people mentioned that and and it was the, even the commentators got into just how good Kessier is at, at mm. taking penalty kicks and there's a little bit of um, quote unquote mystery right now in terms of nobody officially has come out and said this is the order right but uh, but Chavi did say Ferran was, uh, was already predetermined yeah. yeah yes 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 he was uh, and I've heard that Kessie comes third on that list. The order being, mm. uh, like, uh, official order being Lewandowski, Dembele, Kessie. And so it was a bit of a surprise. Again, nothing has been confirmed, but that if Ferran was the, the one that was supposed to take the penalty that day, which it might have been, then why would other players surround him and kind of like, see if, you know, nudge him and, and test him, see if he can get the ball away from him. Uh, and you say that Ansu didn't like it or, or, you know, didn't agree with it. I mean, he is, he was the first one to come up to Ferran and give him a hug after he missed it. Uh, there's a little moment where you see Rafinha give a kiss to like the, the back of Ansu after he gets uh, sort of, you know, denied to take the penalty. Uh, people are like, ah, Ferran is too arrogant and Kessie is there. Kessie is third on the list officially. And I don't know. Uh, fuck knows what the order is, but there definitely should be an order. And uh, I don't really know. I, I would have, you know, knowing that Kessie is such a specialist, Ferran should have been like, take it, man, because, you know, I haven't scored in like four months and you're a specialist. I'm, this, I'm, I'm not necessarily in my best of form. I feel like penalty takers should be taken not necessarily by players that need that little boost. Like I wouldn't have opted for an Ansu, I agree but rather completely. with players that have confidence already. You know what I mean? Completely agree. Because everyone talks about, you know, well, this striker needs confidence. and But we we n- almost never talk about the fact that if that player who doesn't have confidence misses, what that further does to the damage to the confidence level. Exactly. Yes. Um, interesting thing about Kessier is that he even, when, when Zlatan was on the field, Kessier was taking penalties over Zlatan. Wow. Um, so that, that kind of oh, t- tells you a little bit about the penalty kick status. It says it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when I was watching the Valencia game, Diego, 
I have to admit, a thought entered my head. And it turned me into one of those Maridistas that I was complaining about earlier this season who say, I can't believe we're losing the league to this Barca. They suck. I was watching. I was like, man, to these guys, I'm so ashamed. To these guys, nine points. To these guys, in a low block against the worst team in Spain. It's like, what is that? Like, how is this? With with 10 men. Oh, still, like 10 men against Valencia. Like, not against... Bayern Munich, man, like, come on. Anyways, that's besides the point. This Barcelona team, from a pure defensive standpoint, what I'm about to say might shock somebody. So if you're sitting down, put your seatbelt on. You might fall (laughs) off your chair. This Barcelona team might be one of the greatest defensive sides in the history of football. (laughs) It's uh, Nobody can score against them. It's insane. Nobody could. This is these guys are. This is like peak Atletico 2014, where no one can score against them. Eight goals. Again, the disclaimer is this is purely in La Liga, not in Europe. But eight goals. Yeah. And then, as I said, you and I disagreed on this a little bit. That I thought Barcelona were better than Real Madrid in the Clasico. If they defended like that against Bayern Munich and Liverpool and all these teams, they would have been. They would have been still in Europe. I did want to ask you something that is related to this. Xavi said, I think the day before the Valencia game that if anyone, if any other team in the world wins 1-0 at the burn by playing like that, they would throw a party. But at Barcelona, the standards are different and there's expectations. And I still fundamentally disagree with him that there's nothing wrong with playing this way. And I don't know what's the obsession with playing a different way and losing. I don't understand. Help me understand, Diego. Help me understand this because I don't agree with him. I mean, we talked about it the last time. And, and, you know, it's uh, the comparison that I drew was sort of like um, to bring the same topic that we just touched upon before. It's kind of like family values or or cultural values. It's uh, uh, people want to be entertained at the Cano. They pay a lot of money to play, to watch their football team win, but also entertain them and play a certain style of way in a certain manner that they have grown up with, um, that they respect. It's like a certain art, like a certain craftsman, craftsmanship to the art form or the work, the job, the task at hand that has to complete certain criteria uh, in order for the public, the, the, the vast majority to be fully entertained and deem it a worthy spectacle. And why, why do I, you know, draw the earlier comparisons to like values or, or, or cultural, you know, values it, it, because, you know, each culture, each family have their own predicate, their own beliefs or belief system, the way that they see uh, life should be lived and the way that they deem you know, uh, you to have a successful life, let's say like you need to, 
uh, abide by a certain set of standards and rules and meet certain criteria. And then I guess that's the only way I can describe that or help you understand that. that that's and, 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 and also like to stick with the football comparisons, it's very similar to the Dutch national side where again, you know, the world cup numbers were some of the lowest in history, if not the lowest in history, which would, I shouldn't say the lowest. I, I don't have it here at hand. Remember reading that the ratings in Holland, in the Netherlands for the world cup were some of the lowest in history because the people did not identify, relate, or enjoy the style of football that the Dutch team was playing hmm. under Louis van Gaal. Now, did the numbers go up as they advanced? Sure, obviously, as they do in a knockout round, things you know, pe more people tune in, but they still didn't meet the numbers and figures of of prior World Cups, and and a lot of that, you know, when polled, where people were like, "This sucks. We don't enjoy watching uh, this kind of football or a country play this way." I think those are valid points um, about the idea of entertaining the Camp Nou or whatever. Um, I just, I, I guess from my fundamental disagreement is that, well, I don't know if it's a, obviously I don't think you necessarily only mean Camp Nou. You could also mean just Barca fans watching the TV if it's at the Bernabeu, for example, too, right? Um, of course, of course, of course. That was, yeah, that was. Yeah. But I guess I guess my fundamental disagreement is that uh, you can only be entertaining watching this style of football. Like the, it's always been weird to me that you'd rather lose playing a certain way than win playing a different way. That's still it's still hard for me to accept that, and I don't think I will ever accept that. Uh, to be honest with you, but counterattacking, high flying football can be just as fun as dominating possession. In fact, like I, you know, so for for example, Real Madrid had what sixty five percent possession in the Clasico. I had an infinite amount more fun seeing Gareth Bale flying in the counter attack and scoring goals with thirty percent possession than I did watching that game. That game drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. I was not like wow, wow, mm -hmm. amazing, wow. I was not like like in. I was not out of my seat seeing these passes. Oh, but I was out of my seat seeing like Bale flying on the counterattack. So that's, I guess that's where my fundamental disagreement is, is like, why does it have to be this way? Why this way? Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it's, it's the teachings, man. It, it, like, you know, it's a sort of like, and it won't be a hundred percent as in if you poll Barca fans, all the Barca fans in the world, it won't be a hundred percent that agree that you, this is the way and only way to dismantle and humiliate if we can and dominate our opposition and win the game of football. Uh, you know, it, it was quite, I was away for a weekend, as you know, on Friday, we, we did a remote pod and, uh, funny enough, I was, I was skiing. And at some point in time, I was in a chairlift with three dudes. We're talking about the Clasico and one of them thoroughly enjoyed the win and the way and they got into a, a, a discussion or not really an argument but they talked about you know winning that way and he was like i mean like what he said literally said you know i couldn't care less uh the fact that we win and frustrated them and played this way but i mean mucho mejor or like you know, the better or, or or just as well so uh 
I, on the other hand, yeah, I do fall more in the camp of trying to respect um, that philosophy that was instilled by Johann Greif that the Masina largely in part abides by and we see also in other sections and in, in the feminine team and it's just sort of like uh, you know the seven nil of Liverpool against Manchester United people talk about humiliation oh the humiliation I felt that similar feeling like the five nil against Madrid in the Camp Nou or the six two in the Bernabeu where it was just like you know Madrid were chasing shadows and the passing, the running off the ball, the movement, the, the, the anticipating, uh, you know, passes, running into space, um, the rondos that we saw where you see Cristiano frustrated, like, you know, he, he's like, he can't even see the ball anymore. He's feeling sick to his stomach. He's getting dizzy. He's throwing his hands up in the air because he can't even smell the ball, let alone touch it. That I love that. Like, I, I uh, thoroughly look, I- enjoy I think you're right to enjoy that. But, but okay, so here's another point, is that to play that way against the best teams, you need to have the best players. Well, you did have the best players in that era. You had Xavi, Iniesta, uh, Messi, etc. I, I don't Danny agree Elvis. with you. I don't no, agree but look, with okay, you. Okay, look, because for the example... Way, the way I, well, let me just say this, and then make your point. The way Ajax beat Madrid in the Champions League when the game that you were present... They played that way, and they, they were not Xavi Iniesta or Messi on the field, and it was just marvelous to watch. No, you're right, but it didn't it didn't work later against Tottenham, and it doesn't know and 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 it's harsh, bro. No, but look, but but and then and then Ten Hag lost more players in the transfer market because the rest of Europe was like, wow, these guys are good, and it just wasn't as successful later, and even at Barca. It's highly dependent on if Pedri is on the field. If Pedri's not in the field, you, you don't play that way at all. And I'm and I wonder like how how is it possible that the system falls apart that badly with one great player out of the lineup? If it was really the system works, then it should work with like the squad you have regardless on the field, right? Am I not wrong in that? Like you need a Pedri See, caliber think, player for this to work. But I think it does work. We saw it. In, in with Xavi in the four nil in Bernabeu or in in the Super Cup or uh, oh. I mean we've seen it multiple times with Xavi we see it with other teams that that implement the similar style of football you know from Bayern from City to again Ajax uh, I mean Napoli at some point Pedri was on the field in the was 4-0. playing a very a very no, my, similar style of football. My point is, again, like Pedri was on the field that day. He was on the field in Super Cup. Mm. It seems like without him, you just can't play that way against the best teams. And I, that's my so point. So you're talking Barca in specific in this, in this example. Yeah, I mean, well, like, for example, with City, that's a system that really irrespective of who's on the field, that system works, right? And uh, I just don't know if Barca have the resources to play like that all the time. You and I had a big discussion. Like I'm being, I'm asking a genuine question. You and I, 
had a discussion about this a couple of weeks ago. What happens if Pedri is not in the field? And it's like, it's a completely different team without him. This is a real concern in my opinion, because Pedri is a player that famously went like so long without missing a game. He was playing like every single game for like a long time. I'm going all the way back to the Euros, you know, and mm. it's just like this guy. And then we were, and then a lot of people were like, well, at some point, does he just burn out and get injured? And uh, that eventually started happening. So what's the plan B? Because mm. Kessier can't play like Pedri does. And so I, this is just genuine questions, man. I'm just kind of speaking out loud. I haven't thought I mean, about it too deeply. I guess but... in, in ter- sure. I mean, look, with, with Pedri out, you're missing one of the best four players for on, on, on Barca right now. Top three top four players on the team, hands down. You have Gabi, you have Frankie, and you have Busi. You still have three very capable midfielders to interpret the style of football that Xavi is implementing. Against most teams, yes. But against teams that are a different caliber, I don't think that's the case. We saw this against Real Madrid. Like, you only, like... We saw this against Real Madrid in... in like there was no control you guys had in that game, and it just like it feels like the mm. system kind of falls apart without without like one or two players, and that, I guess that's my point. Well, I get, I, yeah, sure. I, look, I'm, it, there, there's no denying that there have been grinded out, there have been right out ugly games this season. But I'll, I guess I'll, you know, rebut my rebuttal will be that this is still early days. It's early days for Chavi. It's early for this team. The conditions are still very difficult. And despite all of those, with all those adversities or all those um, hurdles, obstacles, Chavi is still at this point in time, the second most successful Barca coach in history at this point in the season only being surpassed by Luis Enrique, who at this at this stage had 40 points, right? He actually has one more point than Pep. After his, uh, and by that I mean after um, his 50 games in La Liga as uh, in charge of uh, head coach for, for Football Club Barcelona. Astonishing numbers is what I'm trying to get at. So... Maybe, you know, not as vistoso, not as eye-catching as we want yet. Maybe he's working from the defense up that you hail arguably one of the best in history. Pues muy bien. I'm patient. I have trust in the process right now. I have trust in the process. I'm patient. I think we've seen evidence and plenty signs of the football that we want to see and expect. Has it been as consistent? No. But in the process, we're picking up points and our defense is one for the record books. So let's keep it going. Uh, we have a patron question to get to. Do you do you want anything else before we move off the topic? Do you want to say about this? No. All right. No, just be patient, Kian. You will see the football. I don't care to be patient you with your team. I don't care. <laughs> you <will> see it. <laughs> uh, our patron, Adrian Rio, says, a question for Keon. 
let's say the club asked you to pick one left back and one right back to keep from the following list. Right back, Carvajal and Vasquez. Left back, Mendy, Alaba, and Nacho. Pick only one of each with the others being sold in the summer and explain your choices. Uh, okay. Uh, just, just want to say that I don't feel strongly about either Carvajal or Vasquez or get too excited with those two names necessarily. So I don't, but I'm going to pick Carvajal because my plan would be in keeping Carvajal would be to buy a right back who's better, younger. And then Carvajal can be the guy who comes in every now and then as the experienced guy who can defend and do some things and just work really hard in a veteran presence. But then he would come off the bench and not be the starting right back. A better right back would come in. Left back, it's kind of unfair to put Alaba in this conversation and make me choose because uh, I don't think he's the left back. I think he's a center back. I would keep Mendy because I would assume Alaba would just be center back. I would sell Nacho, which is a terrible, it's a blasphemous thing to do at Real Madrid because he's such a beloved figure. But Mendy is still, to me, one of the best defensive wingbacks in the world. And I would, and Fran Garcia is coming in. So you kind of have the Cohen Trial Marcelo dynamic in that one is uh, someone who can help you with offense, and Mendy is another one who can help you with defense. And you have two options there. So that, those are my explanations. Diego, do you have any? So in the end, you agree with Lucho. Nacho is a no go. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> Nacho, if Nacho was in that Spain team, we'd be talking about. We'd be talking about uh, France-Spain World Cup final here instead of France-Argentina. Here's a question. And Messi wouldn't have Here's won the question. Ballon d'Or for no reason. Here's a question for you. Hmm. A serious question. Would you pay $80 million for Chouamini right now? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen... Thank you for listening. Please make sure that you tune in on Friday for our churros, Patreons only, to hear part two on why Kian Sobani would pay $80 million for Juameni today. Because I can't wait to tune in and hear the explanation for that. Uh, it was pretty easy, actually. But sure, if you want to... If you want to save it for Patreon edition, we can. We have no midweek games, right? Is there Champions League this no. week? No. Oh, there's Europa League. Uh, it's Betis United. <laughs> so, uh, that's what good. Could have uh, been? Well, bro, this is uh, there's Champions League <laughs> this week. We got Chelsea Dortmund tomorrow. We got Bayern PSG on Wednesday, but no Spanish teams, I guess. Um, is, so Friday, Champions League business. Friday, what we could do is. Um, well, we can do a mailbag, ask our patrons to submit questions, and they can ask us whatever they want, and we're going to answer them. And the only people who can ask us questions are patrons. So if you're not a patron, you're like dying to like say something to me or Diego, don't waste your time. Unless you're over on patreon.com slash churros y tacticas to ask your questions and also get access to the podcast. As always, the patron edition is the raw edition. It's the stuff that can't be said. Publicly, it's the mm. stuff behind the scenes. It's all the secrets. It's, um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Make sure you're a patron. Diego, it was fun, man. Thanks for taking yes, the time sir. out of your day, always. as usual. We'll talk soon. Take care. No doubt. No Peace. doubt.
Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.